don't take collaborations just to take collaborations. Okay. If you, Can you realize, elaborate on that? Yeah. If you realize one, if it doesn't fit with your who you your ideology, who you are as a person, don't take it just to align with the brand. Your audience will know it's unauthentic. The brand's going to know that this wasn't a great fit. Um, and it just looks like you're just taking brands to take brands. But um, I also say that to say when you do work with a brand, look to see if it's responsive. Like there are some people who literally they get paid by they get paid by Fashion Nova all the time. They get stuff by Fashion Nova and their whole feed looks like a Fashion Nova campaign. You start losing yourself in all of these brand deals because you're so focused on creating that content. Be very sparingly with the amount of content you create for other these brands because you still need to show your authentic tone and voice within your platform. Welcome back to another episode of the Black is the New Rich podcast. And today we got a very special guest. I mean, her name has been buzzing for a while now. So I've been trying to get her and get in contact with her to come on the show and talk about her expertise because I heard she's done a lot of good work uh, in Canada and the States and just... I had to pick her brain, but I don't want to talk too much. Can you please introduce yourself? Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm Jackie Clark. Most know me as Is Well Connected uh, on Instagram. Um, what do I say about myself? I am a former publicist um, in film and television and beauty, and now run a creative agency in sponsorship and brand activations. Amazing, amazing. So before we get into the uh, your business now about sponsorships and brand activations, um, I want to get into your lead up because mm -hmm. you were said you're a publicist, right? Mm -hmm. How did you get to the brand activation that you're doing now? Uh, my story has a very long, <laughs> twisted history. So I actually studied fashion design, wanted to be a bridal designer, living my best Disney princess life, and uh, had a whole life as a fashion designer. So sewed clothes, did runway shows, magazines, all of that stuff. And while I was in college, I ended up on the uh, PR team for my year-end fashion show, and that kind of sparked this whole PR vibe. But through my college experience, I was on the student council, um, producing events, had no idea what I was doing. So uh, did all that in college, left college and was thinking I'm still going to pursue fashion mm -hmm. somehow. And then I really took volunteering and interning seriously um, because I'm one of those type of people. I learn well in school, but I learn a lot better by just practical application. By being there. Yeah. Seeing it in my face, really failing hard is one of the best ways that I learn. So I interned for fashion weeks, um, magazines, lots of different places. And I realized I never really fit in. And everybody knows me. I talk too much. Like I'm a bubbly, talkative person. <laughs> so they always had me like, oh, you know, you'd be great at greeting and great at this. And just I haven't. So I've been told I have a naturally like pleasant demeanor, especially when it comes to greeting. And so interned for a number of years and I couldn't get hired in communications because I didn't have a PR background. Fashion was kind of dwindling because I wasn't doing it in the fashion industry in Toronto really had no weight. Um, and yeah, I was just interning, was working dead end jobs, working in retail, working um, HR, just random, random stuff. And then uh, I, there was this one internship, I literally sent the owner an email, I said, listen, take a chance on me. Like, I just, I have some ideas, I think I could do well here. And she literally was like, fine. She gave me my first break, failed miserably at that place. Um, but it was the best learning experience I ever had. I failed and did very well as well. Um, and then I just, it just kept growing. And my sister had a conversation with my uncle 
I think it was like 2015, 2016, about going back to school. And my sister was like, I think I'm going to go back. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go back for communication. So I went to Centennial uh, Pape Campus, shout out, where my dad actually is an art teacher there and uh, took a corporate communications program. And even throughout the time before I took my program, I was working with editors. I was doing kind of cool stuff and nobody really knew who I was. So I went by the well-connected nobody. And a friend of mine, shout out to Troy Monaco, he had said, you're not a nobody, you're a somebody. So I dropped the nobody and it became the well-connected because people didn't know who I was, but they were just like, who's this young girl? We don't know her in the industry. She has no background, but she knows these editors of magazines. Like they know me by name, they hug me and everyone's like, how? And so anyways, um, this is a long-winded story, but it makes sense. I went back to school, uh, graduated with a 4.0 honor roll, Amazing. Dean's List, GPA, all of that good stuff. Thank you. And, you know, landed an internship with one of the best internship places I've ever had, which is Tarot PR, film, um, film uh, PR agency, and did a lot of great things. And then, you know, I worked with them for a little while. And then as I was trying to get established, I couldn't get hired by other companies because I'm now a conflict of interest. I'm bringing brands to the table. I'm doing things and they're like still. So I was just like, you know what? I was working a dead end job in HR and I just, my sister and I won a trip to Cuba on the radio and I quit my job, went to Cuba and started my agency. And then I dabbled in PR, realized I don't like it. Um, I like aspects of it, the planning stages, the data stage, the event stuff. I don't really care to get people on TV. It's cool, it's fun, but that management of people is not really where I felt I excelled. So I kind of dropped the PR uh, from my agency within the first two and a half years and focused strictly on sponsorship and experiential events and marketing. Do you know that the black dollar leaves the community within six minutes? That's why we are excited to introduce the new Black is the New Rich app designed for the black community to be more intentional about where we spend our dollar. The directory consists of mostly financial services like real estate agents, financial advisors, tax consultants, mortgage agents, videographers, photographers, and many more. With our app, you can easily find and connect with quality services that are owned by black entrepreneurs. And to ensure the integrity of the service on our app, all directory members are held accountable if they receive multiple bad reviews. Our mission is to circulate the dollar and provide quality services to our community. Download the Black is the New Rich app today and start investing in your... Okay, amazing. So your agency right now, um, in short, can you explain what exactly you guys do? Yeah. So in the shortest way possible, we help support events from a communications lens. So any person who's running any type of an event, we help you with your sponsorship acquisition, sponsorship marketing, directing, um, seating, which is outreach. Pop, pop-ups too? Or? Yep, yep. Anything, any type, any form of an event, really. Galas, award shows, pop-ups, street shows, whatever. We help from the sponsorship angle. So helping you reach out to brands, a cure, um, secure brands for your partnership, for your event, sorry. And that entails also a lot of pitch decks. So we do a lot of pitch deck design, uh, mapping out your sponsorship levels, and then managing the events in from either, sorry, from either start to beginning or just coming on in as a day of coordinator. And then lastly, social media production. So sometimes they have everything they need, but they need help making sure that their sponsors um, get the right coverage at their event. So we'll come in and strategize with someone's videographer or photographer, how you could capture the right content. Okay, amazing. So I wanna get right into it. Um, you hear this word a lot, uh, branding. 
right? Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like there's a lot of different definitions to what branding is or what it may be. Um, in your opinion, what is branding or what, let's start with what it isn't. Branding isn't, hmm, that's a good question. What branding isn't? Branding isn't what you say, it is what you're known for, in my opinion, which are not facts. Um, and in my opinion, branding is how people see you, how they recognize that's what you. I, that's exactly what I think too. Yeah, how they see you and how they recognize you. And a lot of people get um, communication, PR confused. So PR is really public, is in the first word of public relations, is what the public feels and hears and sees about you and what they say about you, not what you say about yourself. Branding is the same. You know Nike's checkmark. You know Apple's Apple's logo. You know McDonald's red and yellow. Branding is what you're easily recognized for. Okay, that's exactly um, how I view it as well. Like, it's not your logo. It's not this. It's not that. Like, it's how people view what you got going on. Yes. And that's exactly how I see it, too. So I feel, because I get to oversee a lot of small businesses, right? Mm -hmm. And I do see a lot of people focusing on just, like, their product and putting it out there and hoping for sales, right? And not even focus. It doesn't look like uh, there's a lot of focus on, like, brand awareness, mm -hmm. What are some strategies and tactics that small business owners can do for brand awareness? We get right to the flavors and the colors and all that stuff, which is fun, but we don't mind the business of our business. And that is one of the biggest reasons why a lot of businesses fail. And this is a lot, um, a lot of CEOs, and I learned this from the owner of Mint Worthy, shout out to her, but a lot of CEOs don't actually know how much revenue they bring in. They don't know how much they're spending. They don't actually know how much they made at the end of the year because we're, we're focusing on the creative and not being the business of our business. So to dial it all the way back, one of the biggest things is, yes, you want to have this amazing brand and you want to do all these cool colors and all these cool things, but really focus on the traje trajectory of your business. Legalize your business, get it registered. Um, you don't necessarily have to sign up for an HST if you're in Canada yet until you make over 30,000, but know when that margin is coming. Um, trademark your business. Uh, do all of those incorporations if possible. Take the name on every single platform, even if you're not gonna use Vimeo, even if you're not gonna use chat, Snapchat, take the brand name on every platform. Your watermark is so important when That's it comes what I did to branding. ASAP. <laughs> Absolutely. Because now there's a lot of people in this world and what they're doing is like, Beyonce, for example, um, before why she didn't release her kids' names at first is because she went through the legal steps to trademark, register, incorporate, buy out every possible version of her children's name, so somebody else couldn't use her child her children child's name and and make profit off of it, or that their children have the opportunity to turn their names into a business if they wanted to and profit off of that because now people are just buying up domains left, right, and center. And then guess what? You want it. You've already created this business. You've already spent thousands of dollars on printing and packaging. And guess what? You either have to pay somebody out, which the payment might be hella ungodly, mm -hmm. or you have to rebrand and you've wasted thousands of dollars. So I would say before we get into all of what creatives need to do about branding, understand the the business of your mind, the business of your business and figure out the trajectory of your footprint. Where can you take up the most possible space with your business? Do that first. Then get into the business plan, then get into the creative, and then start marketing yourself effectively and really 
doing a lot of research and audience data. A lot of us think we know what our audience wants. We have no idea because we haven't asked them. We haven't done the research to figure out who are we are we targeting people age 25 to 35? Are we targeting younger kids? Where are they online? Are they on Reddit? Are they on Facebook? Are they on TikTok? We have no idea. And so some of us spend most of our efforts on Instagram because you're on Instagram, but you might not realize Facebook might be the better marketplace mm -hmm. for your brand. But you have to just establish, are you building a community? Are you building a fast fashion business? Are you building a fill up? Um, what type of business are you building and where can you properly build that? I think that's what people need to start looking at branding, the colors and all that stuff is cool. But I think we really need to start looking at where our audience is. Cause then once you have that, then you build your brand. hundred percent. I absolutely agree because in some respects, I um, did things a little bit backwards because I bought the domain uh, blackisinyourrich.co because blackisinyourrich.com was taken, mm -hmm. right? But I, I learned that late, mm -hmm. right? So luckily that, um, I was starting to do the podcast and then someone, I had a mutual friend reach out to me and be like, hey, someone has your domain. I know him. He wants to gift it to you. Wow. And the, they were selling it for about mm, 10 grand, him and his wife. Jeez. I got lucky because he said, he said uh, I like what you're doing. Here it is. And I actually followed his daughter already online. Mm -hmm. That it was just a weird connection. He's like, you know what? When my daughter pops off with her business, just as long as you interview her and then we're good look at god <laughs> you know right because 10k right? is a lot and that's and, a lot especially for just starting and you every we hope that our business is going to take off but you know most businesses fail within the first five years we have as creatives we i call it creative people problems we have a lot of businesses that mm -hmm. we want to create mm -hmm. we i can't afford to be spending ten thousand dollars on every brand idea i have and they're excuse me, our sites online, I think they're like name generators or name something where you can actually put in a username and see where on the web, what what usernames, what websites, what um, social sites and all that are taken. Do the research first. Yes. Save yourself a lot of money. Save yourself the heartbreak because I've known too many people that have who have had to rebrand. Mm -hmm. They've had to just rebrand. That, that, that kind of hurts too because you've got people trusting a certain entity that you're putting out and then yeah. it gets confusing when you start to switch it up. And you've already spent money on logo and you've gotten attached to this exactly. brand identity and now you have to give it up. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. No, that's a lot. Okay, so when you have all your things in place, Mm -hmm. So now we can go to the brand awareness. Mm -hmm. How do we increase that? Um, again, it goes back I guess to, it depends. It goes back to knowing your audience like True. and knowing what platform they're on. Like uh, you don't need to be on every platform. I do believe having a watermark. Can you elaborate on that? Because I hear certain things that people say, you know what, you need to be omnipresent, meaning you got to be on every platform. And you say, you just said like you don't have to be on every platform. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, you don't have to be because your audience is not... For, you're not for everyone. And what what I mean by having a watermark is, you know, having, you know, back in this, for those 90s babies, for us, when we went to school, we got our school photo and then they had a proof written all over it. <laughs> so you couldn't take it, you could take it home, but you like, and how many people's parents have that up in the living room because they didn't want to buy the original photo. <laughs> yeah. But that's a watermark. They put a stamp that this is our business. And that's what I mean on Vimeo, TikTok, Instagram, Snap, whatever it is, have a, have a presence, meaning, you have your logo, your bio, which I call your lower third should have, hey, follow us more consistently. Follow us on Instagram, we're present there. Or, But it should at least have some type of way people can connect with you. Because you don't know who's going to find you off a of Snapchat, TikTok. who's going to find you off a of TikTok, whatever the case may be. But really and truly, you don't need to be on every platform, maybe three, mm -hmm. that you're really 
geared to because putting up content for every single platform, you have to speak the language of yeah. every single platform. What you put on Instagram is not the same that you're going to put on YouTube. It's not the same that you're going to put on TikTok. Same you're going to put on Snap. It has to change because the the algorithm, the the community, the language is very different. Um, so I don't believe in being everywhere all at once. Um, in terms of, cause you over exhaust your content. Uh, and then you're going to start realizing, well, I'm putting all this effort into TikTok and I'm not getting a reach there, or I'm putting all this effort into Vimeo or YouTube. I'm not getting a reach there, but my YouTube or my Facebook community, I'm getting engagement. You really want to harness engagement, but you won't know that. And this is a catch 22. You won't know that until you try. Mm, so, so you do got to Try all gotta, them. You got to kind of see what's going Dibble on. That's why I say you have to be on these platforms, meaning you have to have a watermark. But once you start seeing, I'm not really doing well on TikTok or not really doing well on Twitter, you start lowering your efforts on Twitter where you might post, you know, once in a blue moon just to keep the platform updated. You don't want it to be like hasn't posted since 2012. Yeah. You at least want to have, you know, major announcements on there, major things that are happening with the brand, a viral moment you'll post on there. But everyday hip hop, you don't need to keep that on there. Um, but how to level up your branding or get that consistent uh, viewership and followers, it's about consistency and being consistent on a few platforms. You can't be everywhere at once, but when you're consistent somewhere, your audience will grow following like-minded people is very important. And not just following them to get followers, actually engaging, going to their page and liking, commenting. If you, um, we call this benchmarking, find other businesses who do the same or very similar things to you, find out how they engage with their audience, follow their audience because people follow like-minded people. 100%. You know, if I know that someone has a juicing company, but they're in Brampton and I live in Scarborough mm -hmm. and there's a juicing company, you're like, oh, you see that I talk about mm -hmm. I'm in Scarborough or you see my locations all the time. You might follow me. Oh, a juicing bar in Scarborough. Not that I'm not loyal to the one in Brampton, but I'm gonna go to the one that's closer to my house. Exactly. You know, so you have to be outwardly doing these things and building consistent content but then asking your audience, why do you follow me? Uh, what would you like to see more of? And then giving them, because people will tap in when they know that there's something for them. True. Right? I agree because even um, when you, I think you use the term, is it benchmarking? Mm -hmm. So um, other podcasts that I do like, or I do look up to, like I'll go in their comments and see who comments and I'll just go like up all their stuff. Yeah. And then that's how I get a following on Instagram. And just uh, to go to another point that you said earlier, I've realized that I had a quick growth spurt on TikTok, but now it's changed. So the the um, podcast clips that I put on TikTok now are not hitting at all, but they're hitting on Instagram, right? And so what I'm realizing on TikTok is that for me anyways, like talking videos that I'm like directly talking at the camera or I'm giving them value, those go. But the podcast stuff is not really going right now, but they'll go on Instagram. So I think that's a great point that you mentioned. Yeah, and, and that's great measurement. So one thing we learn in communications, one thing any business knows is you have to measure the success and failures of what you're doing. So you learned, hey, TikTok for me, one-on-ones with people resonate more because TikTok is very um, unauthentic. And I mean that in a sense of you don't have to be like, 
I stay on my TikTok in a bonnet. Like yeah, 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 some yeah. of my biggest videos and I don't do much, but one of my biggest videos was me responding to something in in a bonnet, yeah. looking like a crazy woman. <laughs> but, you know, I couldn't get away with that on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you have to start learning the language of what it is that your audience is wanting. So you now know, okay, this is our formula for TikTok. Once you find that formula, stick with it. Yes. Do not change your formula because that is what works for you. Right. Okay. And then you might know Instagram is more, I don't want to say community based, but Instagram is the new visual podcast, right? Yes. People are going there to see different things. So it's going to resonate a lot differently there where the one on ones might not work for you, but this kind of conversation may work. Right. And then tick Twitter for you could be dropping a quote Facts. from one of your speakers, a, a, a tip mm -hmm. that somebody said, you never know, but you, you don't know that until you measure. And now you've seen that value. Boom, do more of what TikTok is asking, what TikTok is resonating with. 100%. So pitch decks, mm. why are they important? First of all, no, not even why they're important. What are they and why are they important, secondly? Uh, so in my opinion, a pitch deck is a visual communications tool that represents your brand or business or service or offering in, in a formulated way. Mm -hmm. So it is more like... Um, a high performing portfolio mm -hmm. that speaks to a specific need, an event, a service or whatever. So pitch decks can be a ton of different things. They could be investor decks. They could be sponsorship decks. They could be wrapper fulfillment reports. They could be lookbooks, media kits. They could be service offerings. They could be a course, uh, a presentation for TED Talk. Depends what you need. Depends what you need them for. Why they are important is because people want to, they want to get a grapple of who you are. They want to get a grapple of the few things, the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, the how, and the value in the quickest way possible. And in any pitch deck, in any sales, those seven key components are what you need to sell. And ultimately in a pitch deck, those seven, those are the, your seven first pages have to be important, are the first important pages, right? So people want, from a pitch deck, people want to kind of get who you are, what are you asking for, what are you offering for, how you're going to do what you're going to do, what are you doing with this brand business or service, why you're doing what it is that you're going to do, um, the value to them and value to yourself, right? They want all of these things in one um, so that they can easily make a decision. Okay. And it's in a place that is going to be translated to higher ups with higher executives, financial departments, people who are gonna be ultimately paying or agreeing to do what you wanna do. And quickly understood. Very much so. Because, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you know, very much so quickly understood, but they want it in one place because, you know, when you have an event or you have all these things on social, it's hard for me to kind of gather exactly what it is, what your purpose, what your purpose is and what you're actually giving it, to, giving to me. So a pitch deck helps you outline those things um, for just easier readership. No one wants to read. Mm -hmm. <sighs> reports these days like back in the day they used to be like these lengthy letters and all these no one's reading that people are visual yeah. they want to get to the visual aesthetics of who you are they want to see your branding because ultimately it when if you have a very well designed pitch deck it kind of gives them an inkling of how well designed the event's going to be the graphics are going to be or the production's going to be if it's not really there they can't see it and then also most people are visual Okay, amazing. So your company takes care of pitch decks as well. Because mm -hmm. um, I believe sometimes as a small business owner, we try to do everything. Yes. And I think that kind of hurts us. And I feel like a company like yours can expand on like someone's like my pitch deck or something like that. Can you expand on, on how you can help people create 
their whole deck and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah. So pitch deck has been a new toy, coin term, I would say, ever since um, Clubhouse. So a lot of people have them. Canva, shout out to Canva. I'm not paid by them, but shout them out. <laughs> they are amazing at allowing people to do pitch decks. And anyone can do a pitch deck now. The difference between anyone and my agency or someone who specializes in decks is there's a flow and a rhythm that has to be had. I review decks on a daily, on a weekly. I get an event deck sent to me all the time. I search for them. I ask for them because there's no real perfect way to do a deck and everybody has their own version. But in terms of sponsorship, I talk with brands every day, hour long conversations. And they're not even, I'm not even selling. I'm just asking, what do you need? What, what information do you need in this deck? So the difference with somebody you doing it versus me is I'm actually putting a flow and making sense to your deck it has to be a, it's a form of storytelling mm -hmm. it's a communication tool you have to tell a story with your sponsorship or tell a story with your brand to get your desired result images have to match your colors have to match font has to match there's a lot of layers that goes into this sometimes i do storyboarding like literally a client will come to me and give me their brand whether it be for an event or whether it be for a business and i literally on a wall i map out okay here are the seven pages sometimes it's 10 sometimes it's 15 sometimes it's 20 depending on the deck here's what we need and then i put it all together i visually do an artboard of how it's going to start looking and then once i start filling in the blanks i then have to shift the pages i might have to move this up move this back take this out it's it's, it's a form of storytelling because you want to make it read easily. So from start to finish, mm -hmm. whoever reads this can see exactly what's happening and they can get it versus, oh, they have to wait until the end to get what you were talking about or this. Oh, they're like, oh, I wish I, this was explained here because this would have made me make a different decision. The storytelling has to make sense. So we help create a story through your event or whatever it is you're doing and it it's time consuming yeah. you have to give me a lot of the copy because i'm not going to write it for yeah. you but most of my clients we do the strategy behind yeah, I was your about to ask you. yeah we do the strategy so i'll sit with you and be like so what's this event about so you want to do you know black is a new rich actual podcast event so what are your event goals what are your sponsorship goals how much money is going to happen what are the sellable options is this a stage that we're selling so behind us is there a possibility that roger sponsors these chairs with a red background like how much is that worth um what are they going to get for that i what are the benefits to them i literally have to think about every sellable part because um, is there going to be a check-in? Is there a bar? Can we do custom drinks? Is there a theme to this one? I literally have to map that out. So that strategy comes by me really deep diving That's into deep. your event. <laughs> my sponsorship decks take 30 days because the first 12 days are just ga grappling information. I have to read. I read everything a client sends me. I go through every folder. If something's missing, hey, I'm missing da 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 da, da. Like, And then once we get to that, I design a five page deck to give you an inkling of what it's going to look like to get your opinions on it. Cause how you think and I think are very different. Mm -hmm. You and I might say, I want simplicity. Your simple and my simple are different. Mm -hmm. So to make sure we're on the same wavelength and then you got to give me the information. Then I got to formulate it, make it make sense. It's mm -hmm. a long process. Wow. 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 That's a lot. Cause even just thinking about like, I knew a little bit about a pitch deck, but even hearing you break down, I didn't realize it goes that deep yeah, to yeah. be honest. Okay. When it comes to sponsorships, mm -hmm. right? I know a lot of us we're like oh we want we want sponsorships from this that and the third but how do we even um take sponsorships in consideration to what our brand means 
I think you have to look at if you are in a place for sponsorship. I think a lot of people, they see everybody getting sponsorship and they think that it's attainable. It's not. Okay. As someone who does this, I work with a lot of brands. I know a lot of brand reps. They tell me no all the time. It's not always a fit. It doesn't always align. Something's happening, right? Um, You really have to think about why you want sponsors. Uh, What is the, because especially when you're reaching out, how does the brand benefit, the sponsor benefit, not you? We know you're going to benefit because you're either going to get money or product. Mm-hmm. But what is the return on inve- uh, engagement? Sorry. We have return on investment, which most of us can't offer that to a brand. But we can offer return on engagement. What does that engagement look like? Is that increase in likes, increase in followers? Is that email databases? Is that list that you could offer them? Is that visual presence with an influencer or celebrity? Is it a shout out? What? ROE can you actually offer? And before anybody gets into sponsors, you have to think about, is my brand at a place and in a position to offer a return on engagement that is more valuable to than what I'm asking for? Because I believe in a plus tax mentality. If I ask a brand for $30,000, in my mind, they're getting $50,000 worth of services, products, return on engagement. Um, and so there's a lot of steps. A lot of people want sponsorship because in my opinion, just like people who want press, a lot of people want these names for clout. Mm-hmm. You want, oh, I worked with John Frieda. Oh, I have Ciroc. <laughs> because you want brand association. But what, what did mean? it do for your business? Mm-hmm. It just looks cool. But what did it actually do? Where you could actually have tailored sponsorships. So like a podcast like this, you know, one of the tailored sponsorships could be, you know, a backdrop. That is that is there. That's visual. That's like seen. They could put their picture. That they right could put their picture on. They could mm-hmm. put their logo on. Product placement mm-hmm. would be a table with cups that is branded black is the new rich, but then they're in a royal bank color or whatever it is. Like you know, because it's visual. You know, sponsorship could be commercial edits within here. Um, all of those things because it benefits the podcast because you have X amount of listeners that tap in. Your return on engagement is extremely high. You your your conversion rate, your viewership rate is really high, and then ultimately the clicks that you guys have works mm-hmm. right. Um, there's a lot of considerations, but I urge people, if you are going to look for sponsors, make it make sense. And if you can't make it make sense, then it is not time to ask and reach out because you are wasting a brand's time and they will look at you like that you're not serious. And they they can tell. I can tell when you really just want money mm-hmm. and I can tell when you really just want brand association versus I have something here that I know is going to be turnkey and I want you to believe in the value of what I'm doing. I can see when a client or somebody reaches out to me or when I'm pitching on behalf, I can I can pick that up like that. Mm-hmm. And I turned out, I tell people no all the time. I'm like, mm-hmm. nope, I'm not going to take on this. And project. you don't want your name affected too. I'm very particular in who I work with. Extremely particular. Okay. Because if I'm reaching out to you and I'm saying, hey, I got this brand. I think you should do it. And they end up flopping, not being able to meet whatever measurements and goals we've set. You're not going to trust me when I come to you with other opportunities, because you're gonna be like, there wasn't a win for me, right? There has to be a win-win for both parties. Fair, fair, fair. So let's talk about numbers. Um, I'm not exactly sure, this is kind of a subjective answer, but do we have to have a certain number, like let's say a certain following on Instagram, certain engagements, like how does that work number-wise? No, Um, and I say, you don't have to. Uh, There was this girl on Instagram. She had like 30,000 followers and she had some clothing deal. She sold not one shirt. Oh, God. Not one. Mm -hmm. What do you like? So the thing is, a lot of people buy followers now. I do not. I do not agree with that. Actually hurts your um, 
engagement now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, you can see it. Yeah. How does somebody have 50,000 followers, mm-hmm. but you only get 12 likes on a picture? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that means you don't have an, or it means you don't have an engaged audience, mm-hmm. meaning you just post, but you actually don't tap in with your audience. So I always encourage people, look at the top 25, especially on Instagram, on Facebook, look at the top 25 accounts that you engage in and look at the top 25 you don't and see, you know, are the people you're engaging with more your friends? If they are, engage less with those people because your friends and family are not ultimately your customer. They will buy to support, but they're not going to be a returning all the time. Unless they are a returning customer, then that's great. But really figure that out. But from a sponsorship angle, it's really about your unique value proposition. What is unique about your concept, your event, your brand that is going to give us a different result or solve a problem? Sponsorship is solving a problem. Your problem is you need money for this you know, podcast event that you're going to do. Uh, you want giveaways for your event. That's the problem the, um, that you have. The problem to a sponsor might be they have a new product that they want to get out. So liquor brands, in ex- if, for example, their biggest product problem is or their biggest need is that they want to sample their products. Mm. So if you're going to ask for a liquor brand, you're not going to have the bottles sitting in the corner and giving them to your friend and drinking them. The goal is to hire a bartender, hire, make a customized drink with their brand and offer your guests a welcome cocktail and sample that cocktail. Maybe it might be having that brand only there. So guys, we're only offering welcome cocktails. Why? Because when you open up a bar, people are going to go to what they're regularly like, their gin and crayon or whatever the case may be. But for the brand, if it's a closed bar with only this as our brand, you're allowing this brand, people to, well, I'm, I'm going to have a drink, so I'm going to sip on cognac or I'm a sip on Kraken or whatever it is <laughs> and they might get used to it they might like it and they it might encourage them to be like you know this is not bad I might go pick it up at the LCBO the value to a sponsor is your unique value proposition what are you bringing to the table that other brands aren't what problem are you solving for them is it that they have a new app that they want more signups for how do you incorporate that in whatever it is that you're doing that could help fulfill that brand's ultimate um, marketing and investing goals. And a lot of us don't know that, um, but you have to ask. So before you start saying, hey, I have this deck, tap into my event. Hey, listen, this is what we're doing. This is a bit of our audience. Come up with some activation ideas for these brands. Mm-hmm. Think about, hey, listen, um, I think we can do a treasure hunt, blah, 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 blah. Give them two or three to four different examples. And then be like, but you know what? I want to talk to you about what your current marketing goals are. Do you have any upcoming events or sorry, upcoming yeah, influencer events? How do you work with influencers? If you're mm-hmm. an influencer, mm-hmm. how do you participate in events? They will tell you. And then when they tell you, you will go back to the drawing board and you will figure, figure out, out how to align their needs with your event. Makes so much sense. Mm. Yeah, and when it comes to like reaching out to sponsorships, uh, like who exactly are we reaching out to? It's a lot of research. Okay. Um, you need to find people predominantly in the marketing departments. Those are the first people you need to go to. And you don't need to reach out to just one. Um Granted, you don't want to harass the whole company or the department, <laughs> yeah. but I believe in the mindset you can't just go through one door. You okay. have to go through at least two to three doors. Okay. Um, because when it comes in from a few channels and it gets pushed internally, it's more likely to get looked at. So the person, somebody in marketing or uh, marketing department, because um, most of these people in marketing, they have a budget. They're looking for different avenues with their product to market it in different ways. Your audience might be um, that avenue for them. Somebody in the sales department. So sales, sales is a little bit tricky because they ultimately 
want to sell money. you the product. Mm -hmm. So they might be like, well, we can give it to you at cost or whatever. So sales, I kind of throw a little bit teeter down. You may find an events or sponsorship department. Some companies have like a sponsorship manager um, or an events manager within the company that somebody you might want to reach out to. Then next is the PR department, because most companies, if they don't have big marketing departments, they, their PR departments most likely do events and influencer relations. So you're going to want to do that. If you are an influencer, you most likely want to go for the uh, the PR department. Mm -hmm. If you are an events or a service-based company, you may want to go to the marketing department. Um, and then, like I said, so marketing departments, the sponsorship Ultimately, if you find somebody in sponsorship and events, that's the first person you go to, then marketing, then PR, then sales. Okay. I would say sales would be last. And how you find them is LinkedIn, finding the names of those people. Um, but you're going to have to do a lot of digging. Sometimes you're going to have to look through press releases. Um, picking up the phone is also a really big thing. Like cold calling? Mm -hmm. We don't do it anymore. We used to do it back in the day, so we don't do it anymore. But people are really surprised when you pick up the phone like, hey, listen, I have a, I want to know who's the best person, who's the person in your marketing department to talk to. Or at least if you could find that person's name on Instagram or on LinkedIn, sorry, you can call the head office and be like, hey, listen, I want to speak to Jackie Clark in marketing. Can I ask who's calling? Yeah, blah, blah. And then you might get their voicemail. Um, and then you can leave them a voicemail or you might get them and be like, hey, listen, um, I want to know, I want to reach out to you because I actually would like to send you something, but I just didn't want to bombard your inbox. Yeah. I wanted to know, can I get an email from you? And what's the best way you receive pitches? Smart. So even when you do that initial, uh, let's say you're emailing, right? Mm -hmm. Are you saying everything that you want? Or are you just, are you throwing your pitch deck in there right away? Yeah. Like, yeah, how are you going about that? It, if you have a relationship, you could throw your pitch deck. Um, I sneak them in in terms of just view link to our event site and my event site is private on my website. It outlines all of our events and it has the pitch deck at the bottom. Mm. Um, I sneak those in, but, uh, roughly when I'm reaching out, it's very short email. It's very much on the alignment of, Hey, listen, um, I have this event. This is what we're doing. And it's really the event name, event date, location, um, and then the audience who's the type of people that are going to be there, kind of that kind of stuff. Um, and then a few quick points on, you know, I feel Nike would be the best fit because boom, boom, boom. It takes a lot of research, figuring out kind of look at the past events they've done or look at the past influencers they've worked with, making sure you say, hey, we realize that you did an event with Rebecca Price, who is the first black um, yoga trainer with Nike Canada. Shout out to Bex for that. But we know that you did an event with her. We have an event that's similar, blah, 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 blah. And here's how you can participate. Very short, brief email. Um, do you have time to hop on a call this week? You know, and give them a date. Do you have time to hop on a call Thursday? You know, 15 minutes. Be very specific because you're forcing them to give you an answer. Hey, Jackie, I don't have time on Thursday, but I actually, my schedule is available next week. You're forcing them to communicate versus, please let me know if you're interested. We'd love to talk. Mm. You you want to be as specific as possible. Um, but again, that who, what, when, where, why, how value, that's your pitch. Who we are, what we want, why we're doing what we're doing, all that stuff very quickly. That's your quick opening pitch. And then you could get into the bigger things after you've had a conversation. Okay. So let's say I reached out to your company, mm -hmm. right? And I had this an idea. I had an idea for an event and I don't necessarily know um, what sponsorships I could be looking for. Are you giving ideas? Hey, I could see this company can work well with your brand. And are you reaching out to them or is something that the your client has to do? 
Um, so it depends on the event and depends on the client. I don't take anything that's less than three months okay. um, because it's not enough time. Okay. I also, disclaimer, I do not guarantee sponsorship because sponsorship is not guaranteed. I do not make the decisions for somebody at Nike, at, at you know, yeah. Canon, wherever they are. I do not make those decisions. Only thing I guarantee is that I will send out as many emails, re- reach the right people. But that is the best I can do. Yeah. I cannot. Because they got to make the decision at the end Absolutely. of the day. Absolutely. And so what you're paying for is my time. You're paying for my connections and or my resources and research. Um, but to your point, I can go ahead and look at. Um, that's why when a client does come in with me and I've agreed to help them, I will determine whether you get a strategy from me, which means I will give you a sponsorship strategy, which is paid. And I literally map out. It's a timeline. So. This is what you're gonna do. This is when you're gonna send it out. Da 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 da. Here's all the people you're gonna send it out to, and I can I can suggest brands. Um, doesn't mean I'm, if you want the contacts, you have to pay for that, mm-hmm. uh, which is very extensive because now I'm giving that away. Yeah. Um, but you gotta protect uh, your connections. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and I don't do that for everybody, but there are some clients I can give you suggestions. Well, why don't you think of wellness brands? Have you thought of wedding companies? I might not tell you exactly what company, but I might give you the industry. I'm like, oh, you know, you want to do a tea ceremony. Have you thought of reaching out to a tea company? And this is the activation. But you have to pay for that because that's my intellectual property. That's me giving you monetary support um ideas that can help funnel your event um and there are some clients i will do that like they were like i just need all sponsorship i need you to do it all create the deck and do all the outreach then you pay me monthly it is at a three month term Mm -hmm. um you will pay monthly for this acquisition because again i have to design a deck i then have to take on your event as if it's my event so i have to look at every possible um, property, which is what we call sponsorships, is properties. Um, we got to look at all the properties available for sale. And then I have to find brands that align. So it's brands that I may know. And again, I have a lot of conversations. So when I talk to brands on a weekly, I'm not selling them half the time. What are you up to? What are you looking for? Like I have a company. I know I know for sure Grey Groose from the contact I spoke to, she's only looking for film events. True. So I know, and she's marked on my board, Grey Goose is film and I have a big database. And so when I type up certain industries, I put, I put them in and filter them in. So I know who's looking for what. And then sometimes it's just a reach. Sometimes I'm like, mm, they told me keep them posted. So I reach out, hey, I have an event. <laughs> yeah. uh, don't know if it aligns, mm-hmm. but this is what I'm working with. So I can pitch on a client's behalf. I don't do it for everybody because I'm very protective of my contacts. I also don't want to spread them way too thin. Yeah. Because when you have too many people that you're pitching, um, a beauty brand might be good for this event, but they're like, oh, we want to go here. Your client's upset because they're like, I wanted Chloré, but you got them for somebody else, right? So you have to be very mindful of the amount of people you're reaching out to at a certain time. Mm. So I I heard a quote the other day and it Mm. says, uh, your network is your net worth. And uh, just from talking to you right now, I see that you like embody that quote. For sure. How important is cultivating your relationships in your life right now? Well, my business is called The Well Connected. (laughs) So um, relationships are key. I know a lot of people, does not make everybody my friend. I am very friendly. but I know a lot of people and I cultivate and harness these relationships because there's a need for you. There's, and it might not be immediate, but there's a need in some capacity, right? And so checking in with your contacts, even their sponsors that 
they've said no to me. Mm-hmm. And it's, hey, just want to let you know, here's what we're up to. Or, hey, congratulations, I heard you acquired this, or I saw this went really well. It's as simple as just touching base. And okay. that's even in friendships. You have to you have to maintain everyone's life is busy. We all have things going on. But you have to do temperature checks, meaningful temperature checks. Really ask, hey, how can I help you? There are clients I've reached out to, and I said, hey, listen, I don't, have an, I don't know if you need my services, but if you ever need anybody on the ground to help you with this, my agency does that or I'm happy to help. And I've had them months later turn around. Hey, remember you said that you'd be willing to help an event. We mm-hmm. need somebody bubbly. Would you we be willing to pay you? Sure. Yeah. And I've just I've come down and then that little event that I either got paid for or volunteered for has turned into multi thousand dollar deals. Wow. Amazing. Um, and so the value of just putting yourself out there being of service, you know, I learned this quote from New Amsterdam from the main um, medical director, he always said, How can I help? That is how I look at connections. How can I help you? Because you should be in need to help a connection. 100%. Yeah. I think that's my next step of growth, too, is that um, just maintain checking in. Because yes. I feel like I don't do, I could do a lot better job. Of, we about, all can. Yeah, about checking in. And it doesn't have to be for any purpose. Yes. It could be just a genuine checkup. Like, how are you? Yeah. And just to, so they can know that you're still there and you still Absolutely. care. Absolutely. And even like I've had brands that I've worked with that have done me a favor for a client and I've sent flowers. Amazing. I've sent flowers to the person and they're like, Jackie, this was unnecessary. I said, no, no, no. I appreciate you going above and beyond on your weekend to do me a solid. It's the least I can do. And so there's not always an immediate or direct ask, but later on down the line, it may come to that. Like, hey, <laughs> circle in the block. But, you know, it's just genuine thoughts and actions go a long way. So I want to give you a scenario. Let's mm-hmm. say you're an influencer for a brand, right? Okay. And this brand uh, continues to give you product. Mm-hmm. Let's say a clothing product. Hey, can you take a picture, post this on um, your Instagram? And let's say that you're at the step where you want to ask for money now. Mm-hmm. How do you go about that? So it's funny. In Early in my early days, we used to get money from brands and they were stingy with product. I remember reaching out to brands like, yeah, we can give you four grand, 10 grand. But I'm mm-hmm. like, no, I want the product. Now we get a ton of product because it is so cheaply Cheap. made. They can get it like that and they don't even want to give you $500. Um, you have to be mindful of the amount of content you're creating and the amount of free that you're getting i understand in the beginning wanting to do it especially when you're starting up you want to work with brands but you need to look at self-evaluation how long is it taking me to do an unboxing uh to do my makeup if you're a female find the right location um set it up get all my cameras and then how long is it taking me to edit you know i have a three strike about three times especially if you're new I might do it for you, especially if I was in the beginning stage, but also I look at the value of the product. What is the value of the product versus my time? And I tell everybody, um, give yourself an hourly minimum, uh, just like you're working a job. What is your hourly minimum? If it's $25 an hour and this took you six hours, do the math. Mm -hmm. That's how much you should, bare minimum, you should be asking. Um, A good friend of mine, a brilliant woman named Pollyanna Reed told me something a couple of years ago. She said, create a job description for yourself. And I took that and I did that for my business. And I think influencers could do that as well. Create a job description for yourself and give yourself what, what the tasks are, what you would do, 
put a price to that job description. And so eventually after, you know, the second time a brand's reached out, look at the measurement, see if your audience actually responded to it. Don't take collaborations just to take collaborations. Okay. If you Can you realize, elaborate on that? Yeah. If you realize one, if it doesn't fit with your, who you, your ideology, who you are as a person, don't take it just to align with the brand. Your audience will know it's unauthentic. The brand's going to know that this wasn't a great fit. Um, and it just looks like you're just taking brands to take brands. But um, I also say that to say, when you do work with a brand, look to see if it's responsive. Like there are some people who literally, they get paid by, they get paid by Fashion Nova all the time. They get stuff by Fashion Nova and their whole feed looks like a Fashion Nova campaign. You start losing yourself in all of these brand deals because you're so focused on creating that content. Be very sparingly with the amount of content you create for other these brands because you still need to show your authentic tone and voice within your platform. So I say, you know, in the beginning, take a few, but see, take one to two with this brand. Take one first, measure it. Mm -hmm. Did your audience respond? Were there any clicks from the campaign? Did they buy? Did they use the code? If it didn't really work, but you still liked it, do it a second time. Try to switch up your your content, see if it works. But the more brands you keep taking, the more times you do it with a brand, it's like, why would I buy the cow when I'm getting the milk for free? Yeah, fair facts. <laughs> if facts. I know I'm getting this for you for free all the time, yeah, you, why would I do? So you have to also evaluate that okay. and put a stop to that immediately. Like, hey, listen, we've done two campaigns with you. This is how successful it went. This is my numbers. Yeah. Um, based on what you showed me, you made X amount of dollars or this or you found it was a very successful campaign. Always ask to have a debrief with a brand afterwards. Never just do the campaign, get and paid leave and alone. leave. Always find out what worked, what didn't work, because that's the only way you're going to grow as a brand and a business. Okay. Um, but then say, hey, listen, so based on this, if you would like to continue, I know me creating seven reels for you doing this is taking up a lot of real estate. The real estate on my Instagram or my TikTok, we've evaluated that it's worth $3,000 per campaign. Do not be afraid to say no. I think a lot of us, when we start, we're like, oh my God, a first brand reached out, you're giddy. It's okay to say no, because a lot of these brands, they have budgets. Um, they have, they also lowball black creators a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a big thing. I've seen it firsthand. Um, it's okay to say no, be okay to say no to a brand as much as you might've wanted that three grand. Your, your personal values is worth, is not worth lowering just for an association. And I if agree. it is, you have a lot of self-worth <laughs> work that you need to <laughs> do. Yeah, I agree. So basically like. If like, for example, we we're just using the influencer example, um, you shouldn't be trying to live off of sponsorships because no. that will kill your brand. It, it, it won't necessarily kill your brand. It's not 100% sustainable. And some people will disagree with me. They're like, oh, I, I've lived off of this for so long. But your as you grow up, your audience grows up. Mm -hmm. So if they don't see a trajectory in what you're your doing. growth, mm -hmm. they are going to fall off. Mm -hmm. A brand is also going to see mm, this is not really working. It it, it may it might start fizzling out. Also, brand reps change like people change their underwear. So because I worked with you and I liked you, mm -hmm. doesn't mean the next person coming in they might you not feel the see same. value with yeah. you. So they drop you, and if that's all your only source of income, 
you're in trouble. You're in trouble. So a millionaire has seven side hustles, right? And so it, within your business as a brand, what other side hustles can you create that bring in general revenue? Can you create something, a digital download that can go on Etsy that generates two, three hundred, four hundred dollars mm-hmm. in your sleep every month? It might not seem like a lot, but it's 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 a little bit extra. Can you uh, level up your brand? So I wouldn't. If you, it's like an athlete, an athlete can it only has a certain amount in their prime time, but then they have an after plan, right? Mm-hmm. Which is either they're going to become a coach, they're going to become a ref, they're going to become, you know, they're going to go into, um, you know, psychophysiology, they're going to go into- Be an analyst. Analyst, exactly. They have an exit plan. What is your exit plan when you also realize, I don't want to be an influencer or I don't want to do deals like this every day because I want to spend time with my husband. I want to be there for my kids. What other options can you give yourself to maintain money? And Mm -hmm. this might be saying to a brand, hey, listen, I really love working with you. Um, I do appreciate the brand deals, but I would love to be um, affiliated with your brand where now I go and do podcasts on behalf of Pretty Little Things, where we talk about, the, figure out what your IP is, your what you're good at, your intellectual property, what you're really good at, and figure out how you can get the brand to build a program for you. Whether that is, like I said, being a host, or they're doing all these events, and now you've secured the deal as being their official host for all of their Canadian events. Wow. You have to think outside the box. So that means you're not just getting brand product, you're also getting deal money and now you're setting yourself up to show people hey guys i'm more than just an influencer opening packages i actually have thoughts and opinions and i actually um, moderate podcast or host these events for them and all of that good stuff really dive deep and create a program within that brand wow amazing so i've been taking a deep dive Mm -hmm. at artificial intelligence for a little while now yes. and, I'm, and i'm getting obsessive about it oh and, chat gpt has yeah. me in a yeah <laughs> okay so i've been using chat gpt and there's a million things that are coming out like literally day by day there's a new yeah. uh artificial intelligence plat- platform that's coming out and um i talked about this maybe like a couple episodes ago and uh i read an article that said in the next 10 years 300 million jobs will be replaced by artificial intelligence so i just wanted to know if you're already in you said chat gpt but i want to know how you're incorporating ai into your business and are you afraid at all uh what you do uh can be replaced or what do you think about that you you authentically can never replace the human mind because we each think completely differently and if we're all given the same scenario i promise you everybody in this room would have a different result and answer we might have similarities but we process so differently i think we all have a different result and answer to how to get to solve that problem and so the authenticity of a human person can never be replicated duplicated no matter how much they try does it make our our community lazy yes (laughs) I believe we are a lazy generation. We can only manage 140 characters now before you're just dwindling off into (laughs) cyberspace. People barely read for context anymore. They read to reply. Um, Do I use artificial intelligence? I love ChatGPT in terms of rephrasing some of my thoughts. Um, However, I'm still very very strong on that going through everything still having my own opinion yes it could write a book for me i tested it out i'm like write a story right give me a fan fiction and i wrote a pretty good fan fiction still i wasn't gonna lie 
but it was it, it's there was still when i read the fan fiction back there was a lot of missing parts it missed it was missing real the, the it was, human aspect yes, it was of missing it. the weight of realness like, it was able to capture a little bit but i had to go in and i i still wrote chunks and chunks and chunks and ended up actually deleting a lot of the ai because it just didn't it didn't give the emotion that i wanted to give right um, it's made it easier when I interview celebrities and talents because now I could just throw in who I'm interviewing, what I'm talking about. It <laughs> generates 15 questions. Yeah. It makes it easier for me to process to get it back to their team. But I still go through every question to make sure there's no repeats, to make sure it actually flows and makes sense. Um, my fear with with AI is it's now going to make a lot of people who are not innately experts, experts. And I say this meaning... Anybody can go on ChatGPT and talk about sponsorship because it's pulling information from the web, right? It's pulling information, which is really good information because I've looked. Um, so if I'm sitting on the camera right now facing everybody, you don't know if I have a screen here that's allowed me to read off of it and I'm sounding like an expert. And the more I repeat like a parrot, the more you're going to sound like you know. Mm -hmm. That's an issue for me because we're going to have a lot of experts in these fields who are not organically experts the only way we're going to catch them is doing one-on-one -on -one live interviews and all these things because you're going to know that they can't answer the question they're mm -hmm. going to stumble over what they're saying mm -hmm. um does that matter though i'm just playing god's advocate because absolutely it, it matters because people buy into emotions Fair. people buy into someone that they can trust that's why a lot of ceos and, and back in the day you were behind the brand nobody knew who you were nowadays ceos are showing themselves talking because People want to be like, nah, who are you? Mm -hmm. They want to, they, because you can't, and it was a movie. I can't remember if it was Jurassic Park, which is my favorite movie, one of the new ones, but I can't remember, but it was uh, some somewhere on the lines where it says you can't, uh, no, it wasn't Jurassic Park. It was um, Hidden Figures where the, the, the guy who was going up into space, he wanted to, he wanted um, Tragic P. Henson's character to validate the numbers. And he says, He's like, cause you can't, you can't trust you, you, a machine. Can't you can't trust a machine? Is what he's saying. There's no emotion going back. He can trust somebody looking in his face saying, "Listen, I validated these numbers. I promise you, you They're will good. be safe." Mm -hmm. he, you can't trust a machine, and that has always stuck with me because, yeah, people can fudge in this and that. But you go to a restaurant and you eat a certain dish because it makes you feel a certain way. It gives you a feeling of fulfillment. Human emotion. Exactly. You buy a certain deodorant because, it, or or you go to a certain restaurant, and you do a certain thing because it gives you a feel of peace, of, of happiness, joy, whatever it is. AI can't give you that. It can give you temporary satisfaction because, oh, I got it written this world this for me in 50 seconds or whatever. But guess what? When you convert that to now you've copied and pasted that to your, your uh, client, and they disagree with the contract, they disagree with that, guess who they're coming at? They're not coming at AI and being mad at AI, they're mad at you, mm -hmm. right? So it uh, it doesn't give that emotion. And I think it will never, I don't think AI will ever replace, it will come close, but it will never completely replace humans because there will always be an error. And also humans still have to program these things, right? And humans make errors. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right? So the AI will have an error based on someone's error. Yeah, so, fair, yeah. fair. Okay, Jackie, um, the last two questions we ask Ooh. everybody on the show. Oh, and the first one is, uh, I want to know, and you don't have to say any names. Oh. I want to know what's the best advice that you received and what's the worst advice you received? The worst advice, <laughs> I'll start with the worst. Yeah that I'd ever received 
was this is how we do it and this is how it's supposed to be done. That is the worst advice I think anybody can ever give anybody because you put people in a box. You automatically show say that we're not open to anything you have. And I remember I had I was working in a company and they're just like, this is how we do this here. It's always been done this way. We don't change the rules. Um, and we, 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 we want people to be like this. That's how you go out of business quick. Very, they're not in business anymore. <laughs> so that's that's one thing. That was the worst advice I ever got because that also at that time told me that I couldn't be me. I couldn't bring my thoughts and ideas to the table. That meant I was a robot in in a space and it wasn't comforting. And I was told this is how the industry is. You have to just be like that and just to conform or else you're never going to make it, um, which is a lie. <laughs> the best advice that I ever received was I remember working in an agency and I was failing miserably at all the stuff that I was doing because I was trying to do it like they did it. And I remember we had this event and I ended up um, managing the the food station thing and everybody thought I worked for the company because I was just so knowledgeable and I was handing out stuff and doing all these things and my boss at the time came to me she says unlearn everything that we've ever taught you and just be you wow and I remember I was just like <laughs> unlearn girl I'm, I'm trying to learn all the things what's going on <laughs> and I was so baffled by that but what I really took from that is take what we've Take the tools of what we've given you and amplify. Put your own sauce on it. Right. And so that's why I take the I take the the saying, you know, um, I don't believe in reinventing the wheel. I believe in adding glitter to it. Because if the wheel's not broken, don't fix it. But add your own spark to it. Add your own element. Whatever my jackiness is or yourness is, add that to it. And that completely shifted the way I do business. Because I realized... There is value in being me. There is value in being weird and thinking the way I think and doing the things I do. It doesn't, it's not necessarily the your path, but there's no right path to do anything. And I found when I started doing that, there were so many successes I would see. There's a lot of agencies I've worked for that I have set the standard at the time, which I'm sure has been over, like reset now, but I had set the standard in which some companies repackaged and sent out influencer boxes and how they did certain things because I did it in my way. And they found that it was received well. And not everything you do is always received well, but I found the best thing was unlearn everything that you've been taught and just do you. Mm -hmm. And if I can give anybody that advice, like, like yes, that. we've been taught to analyze math this way, do that that way, but figure out what's the easiest solution for you and like do that. it that way. I like that. I like that. Okay. So last question on this show, we like to make predictions. So in five years, I want to say, Jackie, she did say she was going to do that. Where do you see yourself in five years? Five years. I'll be 40. Um, in five years, profession, per personally, I will be married, have some children and a couple dogs and, some <laughs> wild, and wild animals. Um, but in five years, I would say the well connected would be known for pioneering some of the biggest gifting and sponsorship events worldwide. And, and that we've worked with some of the most top rated, top regarded brands and elevated their event experience. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I like yeah. that. I'm going to hold you to that because yeah. it's on camera now. <laughs> well, Jackie, honestly, I want to thank you for coming on. I know you are a busy, 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 busy person. Um, you're welcome back anytime because this is the first time that we talk about branding and sponsorships. And uh, for the audience, uh, I want to I want them to get a lot of information and gems that you share from this. So I want to thank you. Also, before we leave, can you drop your contact information? Sure. Um, if you want to email me, it's info at thewellconnected.ca. My personal is uh, on Instagram and all socials is 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 wellconnected and the business account is wellconnected to you. Lit. Jackie, thank you for coming. Appreciate it.